I, uh, today, we have my friend Josh Neum. Hello, everyone. My name is Josh. <laughs> Your name is Josh. Is, is, I'm pronouncing that right, right? Neum? Neum? Yeah, uh, there's no standard way of pronouncing my last name in English. In Vietnamese, it's okay. Yim, right? But who's going to pronounce that in English? Well, I mean, we could try. Yeah. Niem is fine. Like N-I-E-M. Niem. Nahaim. Yes, someone has pronounced it that before. Nahaim. And I was like, no, I'm not German. I'm not German. <laughs> it sounds cool, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, so we, we've known each other from back at high school? I'd say high so, school. yes. yes. Yeah, high school. I mean, we really got to know each other better post-high school, I think. Mm. Uh, but uh, you were working as a uh, cabinet member slash slave to the Chinese club under the supreme ruler that is my sister. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's how we met because I was good friends with Lily, or I was her slave, but yes. <laughs> um you were one of the hottest asses back in high school um and uh, i don't know about I, that I, I, would, I, would, I would say so um, and yeah uh, you to me to me back then you were just you know that one martial art nuts nut that just you know went around doing backflips whenever he could oh my gosh kevin i've never done a backflip in my life i've only fell on my face trying <laughs> And I was I was that's... a b boy I was a b boy back in the day and a tennis player. And, What's a b boy? Uh, a break dancer. A break dancer. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't only until post high school that you got into line dancing, correct? Yeah. Post high school, I did martial arts and line dancing, and I found that it was very easy to transition to from uh, break dancing, just because I it's really a lot of upper body, lower body, just a lot of yeah, a lot of strength. Yeah. Was it during the Chinese shows that when you saw people line dancing that you were like, oh, that seems interesting. I want to try that kind of thing. Uh, actually, a lot of my friends in high school, they, they were already in the line dancing team and the martial ah. art, the, the Kung Fu school. Uh, and mm. I was just a, I was a b-boy back in the day. I only knew hip hop and break dancing. So they, okay. they taught me how to do some kicks uh, back in high school. And then when they graduated... They said, "Hey Josh, why don't you become the the Extreme Martial Arts Club president?" And then I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Even though I did no martial arts, right? I was <laughs> yeah, so that's where it's it started. Like, we, we, we want you as our figurehead. <laughs> exactly, and then they planted that seed in me, like my senior year of high school, and then I performed and I created like these routines with with hip hop and martial arts uh, for the oh. Chinese club. So yeah. that was your baby. That, that's why we had a different segment from um, dance and a different segment from martial arts performance. You had we had the the fusion hybrid. I yeah. remember. Yeah, I was the one that yeah. the probably the first one in at Mopitas High School that did the EMAC versus hip hop club where it was like a battle. Uh, the hip hop side they would do some break dancing and the other side would do some flip like flips and kicks, right? And yeah, mm. that was that was probably the best thing I've created in high school. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing come on yeah i um, mean that was pretty cool for me <laughs> well no well, best thing well she created something not everyone is um proactive enough especially in their youth to actually want to create things so good job good job josh thanks hmm 
well, w- with this episode being the way of what I want to be, the conversation I want to have with you, I think it's best we do talk about um, our backgrounds a little. Okay. Uh, for uh, for me, on my part, I am Chinese, but my parents are from Cambodia, cool. uh, which w- would make me Cambodian Chinese. But since I can't speak a lick of 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 Cambodian, <laughs> it doesn't really feel like it at all. Uh, no one's waiting so that's, for that's, that. That's my, yeah, it wasn't really a big part of my upbringing, so it never really mattered. Uh, so that's me. How about you? Uh, so it's it's kind of uh, weird. I think my ancestry, it comes from uh, an island uh, right next to Vietnam and China called Hainan. Uh, you may mm-hmm. know it from Hainanese chicken, right? Uh, <laughs> if you go to Singapore, Malaysia, you ask for chicken rice. When you say chicken yeah. rice, that's basically Hainanese uh, rice, yep. chicken rice. Yep. Um, so that's my mother's side. And um, they, on my mother's side, they uh, escaped the war. Uh, so there was a civil war in China between the nationalists and the communists. My family was nationalist and they lost the war. So they had to run to Vietnam. Uh, and that's where my mother was born, right? So my mother is is Chinese by blood, but she's super Vietnamese washed. And what I mean by that okay. is, if you ever meet any Asian that's super whitewashed, as we call it, like they're super Americanized, uh, that's mm-hmm. the equivalent to what my mother was in Vietnam. So she cannot really speak Chinese at all, any of those dialects mm-hmm. um, or languages. She can mainly speak Vietnamese. Um, uh, if, yes. If it's not too much for me to ask, how did you, did your parents came uh, came to come to America from Vietnam? Okay. Yeah. So it's my family's story is super sad. So they've been through two wars. I'd say the first war uh, was the communists and the nationalists, where they had to flee mm-hmm. to Vietnam, and then the second war mm-hmm. was the Vietnam Civil War, where the communists took over. Uh, my family was fighting on the side of the, the Republic of Vietnam, the South, uh, alongside mm. the United States. So when the United States pulled out of the Vietnam War, uh, all the Southern Vietnamese uh, soldiers and people had to escape to, to America. So that's mm. how both sides of my family came to the United States. So your, your parents were uh, refugees from Vietnam under... Which administration do you remember? Um, I think so, it was uh, Carter. Okay. I think it's the Jimmy Carter administration. Uh, there's Jimmy Carter. Yeah, I think that was the person that said, "Hey, let's pull out." Uh, yeah, but not don't only fact that. Fact check but it's, me on it's... that. <laughs> I will fact check you on that later. Be... I'm going yeah, to insert we'll, we'll... like a line like, "It wasn't Jimmy Carter. It was some yeah, other yeah, president." Yeah. <laughs> it might be Lyndon no, B. No, Johnson. No. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not familiar with what the United States at the time. I'm only familiar with like Vietnam. <laughs> what was going yeah, on? Yeah, no, that's 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 totally cool. That's totally cool. Uh, actually, I should go to further depth in my backstory too, as well. In okay. that case, yeah. What's uh, what's your so part? yes, um, my my parents are from Cambodia, uh, and they uh, their generation lived there until the Cambodian genocide, mm. uh, which uh, which they were basically a bunch of uh. uh ethnically indigenous uh, Cambodian people um, and that they wanted to rid themselves of any foreign interference and, you know, people of different nationalities. They wanted to make their own, you know, Nazi Germany yeah. <laughs> within their own country. And Whoa. they're like, you know, any people, any peoples who are 
uh, or teachers or any peoples who are wealthy need to be put into the slave labor force and mm. and to help make Cambodia a uh, stronger nation. Mm. And my, my parents escaped for that from all the killing as well. Uh, as a refugee, they were sponsored by a, uh, by a family in America. Mm. And they're like, okay, so then we can come over as refugees. And they became citizens after that. Uh, so to describe people like you and me, uh, we are members of the Chinese diaspora. Technically, you're a half member, but you know that's <laughs> that's that's aside from yeah. the details. Oh, um, but well, well, actually, no. In in general, then we're just a part of the Asian diaspora, where people across the world are displaced by war or you know poverty or or yeah. whatever other reason. They they no longer they no longer can. Uh, what's the word for it? They can never they can no longer call their ethnic. Uh, country their home at all uh, yeah. maybe a generation has passed and but our cultures have diverged so differently from our ethnic home country that we cannot yes. call ourselves members of that but yeah at the same time we insist that we are Chinese or we are Vietnamese <laughs> so yeah. it's <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it's 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 tough cause um, I don't know if you've ever been back uh, like to Cambodia or to where your family's from, but it's so different from what you probably would imagine from what your your parents would describe the the place, right? What uh, for me, uh, it's very interesting. I I speak Vietnamese, right? But my Vietnamese is pre nineteen seventy five, and what that means mm. it's the Vietnamese language before the communist government took over. Uh, so when the communists won the civil war, they they took over the language and they changed so much vocabulary uh, because they want to rid all of the um, outside foreign language influence, which was mainly Chinese. Uh, because before we spoke a lot of Chinese in our Vietnamese, then they changed it to only Vietnamese. So when I first visited in 2015 and I visited my family, no one understood what I was saying. The only people that understood me were like 40, 50, 60 year old people. And even my cousins were like, why do you speak like a 60-year-old man? And I tell them, hey, this is what my parents taught me, right? So the language that our parents brought from Vietnam to, the, to America, it's almost like it's, it's in a time capsule. And it hasn't changed. It stayed the same from 1975. Whereas Vietnam, it changed so much in over 30 years. And it, it's almost like if I speak the way I speak to new Vietnamese coming to the United States they might suspect that I am against communism. I am against the current Vietnam government. Whereas mm. I'm just like, hey, man, this is, this is what my parents taught me. That's, that's all my language, in, like, that's all my intake. Yeah. We are the, the legacy of what I, I'm, I'm, I constantly learned back in uh, you know, high school and into college. Uh, there was the period from like the early 1900s into the late 1900s of like, countries having hyper nationalism just like straight yes. up just saying no no we, we we will have our own race our own kind and we root out <laughs> the pestilence that is on our nation you know that's like, a pretty good impersonation 
That's a, that's a terrible yeah. presentation. <laughs> yeah, so Cambodia went through it, Vietnam went through Cambodia, it. Vietnam went through it, China and, technically... Mm. No, China mm. did. China went through it with the... Um, when uh, Mao Zedong, he took over and he closed the, the whole country to outside influence. When right? was that? Uh, I'm going to say 1949 was when they took over and then they were just like, hey, we need to close off all countries because uh, there was a point where all the countries were invading. They stole Macau and Hong Kong Ugh. away from China. Um, what, what, so when they closed with, it off. Like, yeah. Okay, go ahead. What? No, no, I mean, what, 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 what is with that whole um, century of hypernationalism? <laughs> it, it was a result of. It was a result of letting foreigners into the country and then they just did whatever the hell they wanted to do. They set up like like certain districts where only French, only Americans, only British can go in here. If you're Chinese and you go in there, you will actually get killed on the spot. Even though all of it belongs to China, right? That land is it's China. And um, another thing is uh, opium, right? The opium wars. When they let the, sure, the foreigners that... come in, they're like, oh, why don't you try this drug, right? And they used that drug to take over land. They took over well, Hong okay. Kong uh, and, and Macau. Hold, 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 hold on, hold on. You're, you're talking about like something we're going back into way further history than the 1900s at this oh, point. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, I'm like, sorry. Just, like, to... No, no, it's okay, it's okay. But like, so the way I see it, to, to summarize is that it's a product of uh, worldwide colonialism by the Western powers from Europe and from America, and uh, yeah. people. It was like, it was like a house of cards, really. Like mm-hmm. when one nation, one one prominent nation, started to like just sing hyper nationalistic praises, like going back to our ethnic roots. All the other nations started to take up that cause, you know, to be, like really believe that they could do the same thing to purge themselves from mm-hmm. Western superiority or to purge themselves from invaders that are just leeching off of their society. Yeah. You're not it's, wrong. It was just a, yeah. It, in that case, it was a backlash to colonialism, which resulted in all these purges and all these genocides and all these wars, civil wars that waged inside the country. Yeah. Um, so as always, it's always the white man's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're a guest, be a good guest. You know, you don't you don't go to someone's house like as a guest, shit in their 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 toilet and not flush. And I think that's what the Chinese were like, yo, that's what you did. So we're gonna close off the country and make some new rules, right? Mm. So I don't I don't blame China for going that extreme with their purging of outside influence just because they had a bad history of opening their doors right this episode of carbon copy is sponsored by darren yes darren it really is i meant it when i said it then and i mean it now cash check wire transfer any way you want to give it to me i'm ready so if you have a darren in your life who holds a not so secret borderline obsessive car fetish keep on reminding him that carbon copied would like their money and now back to the chat but yeah, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, let's let's not talk about the history of China. Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about um, what languages do does does your family speak? Uh, we speak the the Dezhu Chinese dialect. Uh, as it's huh, I think you're actually more knowledgeable about the history of that dialect than I am. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so Dezhu, you mean? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, all I know is that um, our Diju is not uh, authentic Diju, and that is, it's not the same uh, exact way that it's spoken in mainland China because mm. I learned the language from my parents who grew up in Cambodia, mm. and they lived around a community up there who had been there for yeah. several generations. So obviously, that language would diverge from the mainland Chinese language of Diju dialect. Yeah, yeah. So, but on the on on top of that, like, um, I probably have a hard time talking to anyone. I I did in fact go back to Cambodia for a period of time and start tried to talk to uh my my distant relatives there, and it's it was kind of like kind of understand, kind of not. Mm. I'm just gonna keep my trap shut and just like <laughs> yeah, just uh look. <laughs> Don't want to embarrass myself, basically. Oh, but was it like a similar experience that I had, where like the cousins and the uncles and aunts they didn't really understand you? Did that、mm. ever happen? A little bit, a little bit. I, I, I definitely because it, it's, yeah, I definitely didn't、uh, wasn't one hundred percent proficient at the language. At the same time, you know, I my primary language was English. American English by that point, so it was definitely influencing that language as well. Yeah, so, no worries.、Uh, Just like how their 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 Tiju is probably influenced by by Khmer, right? By Cambodian, whereas yours、right. is a a version of that, but in the United States, so it's even further influenced by English.、Um, mm. So no one is blaming anyone American borns for not speaking it perfectly, right? <laughs> Uh, it's、mm. it's fine. Except it's fine. Ex- the fact that you can our, communicate with ex- with it, no, our parents will blame us. <laughs> our parents and or extended family members are the elders. They will blame us for、uh, not knowing the language. <laughs> blame you, but, but well, if you think about it, when can you actually speak your di- your your language, right? In the United every States, every time you go see your grandmother, you perfect your language. <laughs> you see, you in the home, you probably speak the language. When you go outside, which is most of the time. You're speaking English, yeah. yeah so,、uh, I used to be one of those people where, like, how could you not speak your family's language, right? Really? And I used to really. Yeah, I was actually pretty extreme, and and looking back, I'm embarrassed, and I actually feel very sorry for people I've shamed.、Uh, I, I've shamed a lot of American-born <laughs> Chinese. Ouch! Right? Like, how? Why is it that you you don't speak the language that your family speaks, right? Are you are you ashamed of it? Right, that was I was like super super radical about it, and then and then I met people who were fifth generation, sixth generation Chinese, American born Chinese.、Mm-hmm. They lost their language three generations ago, right?、Mm-hmm. And it's not their fault that they can't speak Chinese. It's just assimilation, right? Is Chinese really、yeah. gonna be useful in in like putting food on the table and finding a job? Not really,、hmm. right?、Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 also it's also dependent upon the community that by which they've lived in. You said fifth generation, give or take. Um, just just to throw out some numbers out there, by the way, uh, for Asian Americans in America, we make up about five point nine percent of the total population. That's、uh, that's nineteen million people. Wow. But yeah, so we're we're. We're spread pretty thin, to be honest. Like,、uh, like there's fifteen per fifteen percent live in California, where where we're where we're from, which is a substantial amount. That's only, that's thirty one percent of all Asian Americans.、Mm. In then,、uh, uh, they all live in California, in all、yes. of the U.S. Yes. Okay, and 
So some of us here, where we have Chinatowns, where we have Vietnam towns, uh, mm. we have a community that will foster learning that language and keeping that language. You know, it's beneficial too because we have small business owners who interact with these guests, foreigners and whatnot. Right. This is the place to be. Right. But because a majority of the population doesn't live in centers like this, of course they're going to lose the language. They they decide to try to make their their lives everywhere else across America. Right, right. And if you only you do business with people who speak the same language than you, then I think that you're limiting your business in a way, right? Even if your your business is in Chinatown, are you saying that you you're you don't really care about people who speak English, like those customers, right? Having a well, successful business, hmm. I think that you should open it to everybody. Uh, I don't know if that's too much to claim, but. <laughs> Like for some, for some reason when I think of Chinese like Asian businesses or Chinese or Vietnamese businesses, I can't help but think of you know Chinese restaurants or Vietnamese restaurants or stuff oh, like that. Yes, <laughs> and, exactly. And, well, it depends, you know. For places that are t- that 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 thrive in these Chinatowns or Vietnam towns, they do have a benefit of trying to keep as culturally homogenous as possible to try to to cater towards that the people who want to taste of vietnam or want a taste of china you know and not really catered towards american business which is welcome to come in but you know when 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 someone who's not accustomed to that kind of culture walks in and wants to order something and the waiter's like what do you want from across the room (laughs) it's like whoa i feel intimidated and not welcome and and i but it's it's perfectly normal for us. We do that because we're we, we're in a rush to try to get food out, man. Yeah, time is money. You know, we're not trying to be <laughs> friends with you. We're trying to like feed your ass, get the hell out of here, pay your bill. That's it. <laughs> right? So it, it's just it's a different experience, a different culture. You know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, something that I, another fact I found interesting is that uh, in 2017, Vietnamese Americans reported that 92.3. Uh, self-reported on the census that they belong to a single race. Chinese Americans mm. t- in 2016, 96.8% reported single race. So uh, an overwhelming majority of people are still marrying into only Chinese or marrying into only Vietnamese families. You know, uh, we're not we're not doing a lot of uh, intermarriage with other races okay. at all. Uh, and I think that's due in part with a lot of how our culture functions. Like, we have a hard time of accepting any other culture, but then again, that's actually kind of what all other cultures are like. Exactly. Uh, d- despite living in America, despite living in the one place where we're a melting pot of all, a bunch of different cultures, yeah. we insist on keeping to ourselves. And the result of that, as you can see, is we, we're not changing very much. You know, we're not very accepting. No. We're not very open to new ideas. Yeah, I mean, not not just Asian like it Asians, but like even in the United States, it took a while for people to, people to accept half white, half black children, right? Yeah, like that kind of interracial marriage. Um, but for for the Asians, like my mom is ethnically Chinese, my father is Vietnamese. Like I'm I'm a person that is mixed, right? Even though we're just mm-hmm. still yellow. Right, we're still Asian. Um, I, 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 when I, when I do those census things, I don't claim myself as Chinese. I claim myself as Vietnamese, just because my upbringing, my whole background, everything was very Vietnamese and less Chinese. Um, do you not claim that you're Vietnamese first and then Chinese second? 
No, I don't. Just I don't. Vietnamese? I don't do that. I feel like. Huh. Yeah, it's weird because my family is not very Chinese. Right. Mm. So you 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 so, you base off reporting your on the census based on your culture, your family culture. Yeah. Rather than based on than the culture, not bloodline. not the blood. Because huh. I could I could definitely say I'm Chinese. I've I've put in the work to learn all those Chinese languages. Right. I teach it now. I teach Chinese. I teach Mandarin and Cantonese. Mm-hmm. But was it fr- as a result from from learning from my parents? No, my mom can't even speak Chinese. No one in my family really yeah. speaks Chinese except my grandparents, and they they don't even speak it that well, right? Mm. So, how can I say I'm Chinese when, in my head, I've created the standard of what Chinese is, and I don't, for me, I don't reach that standard, and it's not a standard for everybody. It's just like a personal thing, a self identification. But um, what I don't know. Do you? What, what okay, do... go ahead. No. Uh... What drove you to want to reconnect with your Chinese roots since you're so far removed from that at all? Because, you know, your your, your culture upbringing was not at all Chinese. Yeah. Uh, you're only Chinese in, in, in blood. Your last name is Vietnamese because you took on your father's last name, of course. Mm. Why? Like, it, it wouldn't have made any, you know, any severe consequences if you, you know, continue to live life as a Vietnamese American. Yeah, so uh, what got me into the Chinese culture was... Uh, I'm I'm super into like martial arts and like kung fu, so when I was little, I always watched kung fu movies, TVB dramas on KTSF channel nineteen, right? That was like the Chinese okay. channel. I don't know what the mm-hmm. hell they're saying when I was a child, but I love <laughs> watching the fight scenes, right? No, no, so yeah, I was I always Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Jet Li. Yeah, come on. Exactly, like yeah, it doesn't for that. You don't need to be Chinese to appreciate Chinese culture. And I really mm. appreciated Chinese culture. I think I look at, at, at Chinese writing and I'm like, man, this is a beautiful language. I want to learn it. Right. Mm-hmm. I look at lion dancing as a child, even my, seeing my friends lion dance. I'm like, damn, that's hella cool. Right. But I don't need to be Chinese or to to be to be learning that stuff. Right. I mean, I could be white. I could be black and I could still learn that stuff. But uh, what drove me to to go even deeper was I noticed that I learned languages a lot quicker than other people that was probably Hmm. my gift right i'm not good at math i'm not good at uh science or any other subject i'm really good at learning foreign languages the opposite of every single asian stereotype there is (laughs) exactly like this Asian stereotype oh american born you can't speak the language but me Mm -hmm. i speak the language better than my parents you know what i mean Mm. like i'm Mm. i'm going to visit my family and I, i teach my grandparents hey this is how the standard way of saying this, this vocabulary, the way you're saying it is Vietnamese mixed into Chinese, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is how, if you want to communicate with other Chinese people, this is how you say it, right? So I'm like going back home, I became more Asian than my parents, than my family, and I'm like schooling them on how to be Chinese or how to speak certain <laughs> languages. It's uh... really weird. I'm like the opposite of most American-born Asians. <laughs> we're like my, my upbringing my upbringing was like like the kind of opposite in that sense they're, they're like why can't you speak chinese huh why can't you be like your, your cousin or your sister oh, and just, god. Like, speak chinese when you're at home oh god like, okay i i i am i i lost uh chinese i can still speak of course did you our dialect but i never really learned to pick up mandarin i can hear some stuff here and there 
Mm. Um, but for me, you know, being a member of the Chinese American diaspora, mm. it was less important for me to know how to speak the language, although communication is is key. It, it really is key. Mm. Uh, but it's more important for me to embody the ideals, the cultural ideals of what it meant to be Chinese and mm. to find my own way as an American mm. in embodying that. Because Eastern culture is very much not like a Western culture. Mm. Uh, they value much different things. They, they view things differently, not, not religiously, uh, for one yeah. as well. Um, and that, was, that kept being hammered into me when I was young, they, they, my, my parents kept telling me like, "Hey, don't do things like uh like these Americans do. Like when when you earn money, you gotta save it. You don't you don't spend it right away like Americans do, <laughs> and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so it was confusing growing up. It was really confusing mm-hmm. to do to balance uh, both worlds. And I'm not even sure I've done it properly to this point. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I, I am who I am. Exactly. I am who I am now, but uh, uh, you have to wonder: Did I do enough on on either fronts? Have it's much easier to just lie into the American lifestyle because I live here and, and all my friends speak English and mm. you know obviously Burger King's down the road and go shopping at Safeway <laughs> and living the American life, man. Yeah. You have to really struggle, like like you struggled. To really get back into your ethnic roots, you have to hold on to. It. You got you got to dig for it. You got you got to really ask questions constantly in order to maintain it. Exactly. You, know? you have to have a purpose. Otherwise, like, what is the purpose of going to Chinese school as a child? Right. Your parents are making you go to Chinese school to learn the language, and okay, you're learning the language, but it's in a way where it's very forceful. They're forcing you to learn it. And you're not even using it out of Chinese school, out of Saturday and Sunday, two days of the week. You're not really mm. using that language. So there needs to be a purpose when you're trying to learn these values, these 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 languages. Like, what are you taking, and what are you going to apply to your life? What are you going to pass on to the next generation, to your children? Um, and and I think that's that's the thing that separated me from a lot of my Asian American friends, right? Like, what what was my goal in in learning all these Chinese languages? Um, for me, I want to share the culture with others that are not Chinese, or maybe rekindle that culture in people that want to get back into their roots, right? Because no one, no one helped me out when I was trying to re- like learn my culture. So I, I wish I had a, a, a an older Josh to to guide me, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, like my uh, my, that, my goal was always is to that your do motivation that. to this day. As, as a teacher right now, is that your motivation to this day to help make that reconnection much easier for someone else or to bridge that bridge that cultural gap? Yeah, yeah. So when I when I teach um, Chinese, I have two groups. I'll, I'll say two groups of students. One group are, are non-Chinese people, non-native background, and they want to learn it. Maybe they're interested in the culture, their spouse or their partner is, is Chinese. They want to speak to the parents, right? So definitely those people, I try to introduce Chinese in a way that that um, is appealing to them that that they can accept right but for those who are ABC American-born Chinese that they're trying to rekindle their uh, their their culture their roots I put a lot of effort in, in teaching them right 
So mm. I'm teaching a lot of like cultural stuff. Okay, so this is this might be why your parents are saying this, right? Uh, right. So you can. I always go in deep into those cultural value points in my lessons. So it goes beyond just learning vocabulary and speaking and listening. Um, and my goal is, mm. I hope that they can continue to grow, build their relationship with their their parents and their family, uh, and they have something to pass on to their children. There's, there's just, yeah, that's that's my goal with teaching Chinese. Pass on. Pass on. So, I have a bit of a father complex, as most sons do. <laughs> uh, you know, we 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 aspire to be to to make our fathers proud. We aspire to be as incredible as our fathers are, but. Mm. I've I've also learned to see how in what ways it's it's really influenced my upbringing. Uh, I mentioned mm-hmm. to you how my parents are survivors of uh, the Cambodian genocide, mm-hmm. and they're making refugees and came to America. My dad, uh, he was a little younger than me when he came to America after surviving the genocide, and from what he's told me, he basically resolved himself to to remake uh, his life here in America and to really uh, to really establish this place as our new home and for a Chinese person who's traditional that doesn't just mean you know having a house and stuff it means really putting your roots down and and being able to proclaim that you have direct bloodline ascendants sorry descendants uh, here so him his biggest dream after coming to America aside from having you know some wealth and having a house and job security it was to have grandchildren and i think that's a common thread among a lot of our kind uh to yeah. have grandchildren who speak the language and to have grandchildren mm-hmm. who look like us because that mm-hmm. means that our survival for him mm-hmm. was worth it you know he did his duty as a chinese man to help foster a, a people with his last name, with our with our family here okay. in another place yeah. after we've been kicked out of somewhere else. And oh, wow. with his upbringing with me like that, he tried to, you know, he, he sent me to Chinese school to make sure I spoke Mandarin, but which and it didn't happen because it never caught on for me. And I don't think he, he's, re, he's really quite forgiven me for that, but he's letting it slide. Um, because uh, I think that he... Okay, think it's not a good word for it. I hope that he's seen that I'm trying to embody what it means to be Chinese rather than being able to speak it at all times or read it. Yes, yes. I kind I of. agree with you. Yeah, you you don't need to speak the language to be that ethnic background. Uh, that's that's just something that I personally deal with. Like I I put these standards upon myself. Like I need to be this fluent to to claim that I'm Chinese, but that doesn't apply to everyone. That's just like a personal thing. Uh, what you said was perfect. Like you, I don't speak the language, but I embody the values, right? So whatever he's taught you, whatever your parents have taught you, you you keep to yourself, and then you you know about it and you practice it. And maybe there are things that you don't agree with. But there are a lot of good values within Chinese culture that you can take, and maybe when you have children, uh, you'll just filter out the stuff that you might think was uh, negative or a little <laughs> bit toxic, right? 
and then they give them a version <laughs> of Chinese culture that you think is acceptable, right? Uh, in the United States, because you're probably we're the beta version, right? Of children the in the United version. States, we're the beta. That's right. We're, and our children will generation. be version number two. Yeah, first generation born in the United States. Our children will be the version number two, and they probably will have a easier time, a better time in accepting Chinese culture than we did. Hmm, I'm not so sure about that. Um, hopefully, hopefully, if we do it right. <laughs> when I was young, my dad would talk to me. Uh, he would take us to to McDonald's, and then he would talk to us about his experiences in the Khmer genocide. And those aren't fun conversations. Oh, those God. are heavy that's him digging up his his all of his scars his pain his ptsd all of it but he deemed it necessary to tell us uh what he went through and when i was a kid one of the first thoughts i had after hearing those stories was how am i possibly going to convey this to my children someday i i i I couldn't even begin to fathom it because I'm obviously not being shot at or hunted or enslaved at all like he is, so I can't understand the pain he's gone through. Yeah. But I saw the value in learning that, that he went through such a thing, the struggle, because that uh, helped give me uh, give more value to his, his teaching, to, to the effort he's put through to let us eat at a McDonald's in America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We, we can only hope to be able to carry on those same lessons we can't teach them the same way that they they were taught to us. We can only give the next generation our own interpretation of it to point them yeah. in the right direction. And to maybe, yeah. like you are, giving that infrastructure to allow others, people, to to pathways to learn. Yeah, yeah. I Which think... I'm very proud of you, Josh, by the way. I, I, I don't think I've ever told you, <laughs> but I'm very proud that you're doing this kind of work right now. Thank you. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not my yeah. temperament, and I'm so glad you're doing it for for people of both communities, of both you know foreigners and of American born. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think I think we can we can value what our parents went through as refugees in the war, um, and definitely that has a leverage in in us appreciating what they sacrificed for us. Um, but we don't have that leverage. We don't have those stories when we teach our children. But I think there is still a way to to pass on the, the values, right? Just like you said, our version, our interpretation, in a way that doesn't guilt trip our children, right? I know, I know it's not their. Um, I don't. I know it's not their goal, uh, goal as parents to to make us feel guilty about everything that we have. Right. Um, but it does happen to a lot of American born Chinese like, hey, I sacrificed this for you and all you do is this. Right. Or your cousin's way better than you. How come uh, their parents made the same sacrifices and you can't live up to it? Um, hmm. No, I don't think we can we can do it in a way where we don't guilt trip our children, that we appreciate them and we want to share our culture in a way that's more accepting and less forceful. Um, not saying that our parents, I don't appreciate our, our parents, but. Um, mm-hmm. that is probably the way that they were raised and that might not be the most acceptable way of teaching in the United States. It was an incredibly yeah. complicated thing for them to raise us here in the US um, because they were raised a certain way in a different country and those kind of practices mm. may not necessarily be the norm for people here. Yeah, And, yeah. and at the same time, uh, 
both our parents were refugees, so they were trying to build a life, and that kind of took priority. Our our upbringing was a backseat to trying to make sure that we wouldn't go hungry the next day, to try yeah. to make sure that we had a house to live in the next day. Yeah. So, I've I've learned uh, growing up to I learned to accept that and 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 be okay with it, because. Frankly, I, I can't fault them in the way they, they did it. I, they did a, tre- mm-hmm. uh, a tremendous job raising me, regardless of all that. They've been infinitely patient with me. That said, I'm human, and it gets on my nerves sometimes still when they, when they, when they're the um, they have opinions and, and other stuff that really, really isn't okay in in, in modern day in America and stuff yeah. like that. You just gotta. But, gotta accept it the way they think right it's i mean if you think about it maybe when they were our age their parents were even more traditional maybe they did something even more extreme <laughs> right and then it's, maybe it's they're in though. their it's... heads they're like you know what i'm not gonna raise my children the way my parents raised me and then they have a a more acceptable way and that's the way that they raised us right maybe by but standards they're, they're, people aren't born with you know guy a guy books on how to raise children no one is ever born with that so no uh it's just it's just you can only learn from your own experience and try to replicate the same but people have human failures speaking of which you know we touched upon this just now and i wanted to ask you in what ways have you been you know forced or not forced but have you managed to forge compromises or middle grounds to things that you just straight up don't agree with your parents or don't agree with with your elders uh, there are so many um i, I i'm just gonna say three things uh number sure. one is education number two is what i'm studying in college and number three is my career choice right is that not the same uh, thing education yeah. education and what you study in college yeah so it's it's really for me, number one, education. I feel that our families, our parents think that if you have a good education, you will have a good job. If you if you finish university, if you go to a good university, if you get a, a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree, then mm-hmm. automatically you have succeeded in life. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm trying to convey to them, hey, you know, there are people who have never gone to college. Uh, they started their own business or they started working at a young age and they saved their money and invested or, or did something with their money and they wait they make way more than me right mm. and and no education isn't the only way it's just one way of, of uh, to success but for them like my older cousins they didn't go to college and the whole family all the adults shamed them and they're like why can't you be like Josh uh, he's he's gone to college he got scholarships he got his master's degree right? And I'm thinking in my head, yo, these cousins, they they mm-hmm. made it. Like, they have their own business. They're doing super well. They're buying their second property. And look at me. I barely just moved out of my family's house. And, you know, I just got my first career at 27, right? Well, but I think that's <laughs> I think that's a that's a product. If you don't mind me interjecting for a bit, that's a product. Of okay, a go ahead. That's, that's one um, conservative Asian pride where you have to look good. In your own community, by having children that have made these these bullet points, these achievements, I've 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 financially helped them graduate from college. You know, that's that's an achievement right there here in America, especially for mm. refugees who came from nothing. That's one part of it. Yeah. Um, the other part of it is the myth that success comes from that kind of achievement that it's guaranteed, like you touched on. But 
the way we understand it and i think the way that, that i'm hearing from you is that it's really for us it's the the drive and conviction to get to put the effort to get through and get that degree that we that we're okay with transferring that over to starting our own businesses or doing our own projects for success we have different yeah. measurements of success but that success is only possible when you put in the effort and the drive and that's something that they that we can't communicate to that generation as easily exactly and it's like I, i'm explaining to them you know people are not learning a lot in college i didn't get much from college i just learned how to take tests i learned how to write papers <laughs> do i did i learn anything that's applicable to the job market to any job skills right no i i didn't but they don't understand it's like it's fine you'll learn that after when you get a good job after you graduate and i'm like how do you know I'm going to get a good job? <laughs> right? I have no job experience, right? A lot of Asian American, like their parents are super strict. They're like, no, you can't go to work and go to school at the same time. Right? We have those kind of Asian parents. But when they when they, they restrict their, their children from going to work, you're restricting them from learning how to be independent. They're restricting them on learning how to work and, and work etiquette, right? They only know how to study. They only know how to take tests. What is that going to do in the real life, like real job market? Um, that's, that's something I want to convey to my family. Like, I wish you guys let me work at 15. So I know the value of having money, of having a paycheck so that when I start making a lot of money, I know how to save it because I know how hard I worked for it. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's the opposite. When I got my first paycheck, I spent the whole thing right away just because I didn't know, like I wasn't taught how to save. I was, I was taught I can only study. You know what I mean? Like, I wish, I wish that I was, I was taught to be more financially responsible instead of you know being a very diligent student uh and that's not the fault of my parents i could have i could have learned it on my own i could have asked other people but i didn't have a mentor i didn't have anyone to teach me about finances until i made financial mistakes which is the Mm -hmm. worst teacher (laughs) in a way you you kind of uh, forged your own first generation uh like yeah path in making all those mistakes in order to learn from them yeah on your own which hmm. yeah like i i I say this again and your circumstances are very different from mine uh but again they they kind of have their hands full trying to make a life for for themselves here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a way yeah, so they don't know they don't know how to teach that (laughs) yeah should, should we hold them to a higher standard should no. we make them account like at, at the very least is it our responsibility to not not force them of course not force them to like no you you should have taught me this way no not that but like to 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 let them know like hey you know these pitfalls that i'm, I'm, I'm i have to constantly jump over it's mm. it's no one's fault but it is because you had to make some compromises in raising me in trying mm. to you know be successful on your own right yeah here in america yeah. Do, do we have it's our responsibility to make sure they know that or do we just let it slide and just carry on with our own lives i think it's important if they have if you have younger siblings right so the mistakes that they've made i'm not going to say it's mistakes the things that they probably missed when they were raising us as older siblings um i don't want them to make that same mistake with for our uh, younger siblings so when i was when i was young i did ask my parents i did ask my family like financial questions like hey uh, can I get a credit card? How does that work? Like, how does the Roth IRA work? How does getting IRA and buying stocks? But how do you do all of this, right? They know, they knew, but they didn't want to teach me because they didn't trust me uh, to yeah. 
right? <laughs> to make financial decisions, because like if you're just a kid. Why why would you need to know any of this stuff? No, <laughs> you need to teach me, please, right? So I told them, hey, you know, look what happened, right? I I made a lot of financial mistakes. Like, don't make the same mistake for my little brother. He's like 14 years younger than me. So mm. please teach him how to be responsible with money and don't you know try to pay more attention to him right so you see all the 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 issues we have in our relationship between me and you uh Mm -hmm. let's try to avoid that when you're raising my little brother right in a way Um, in a way we're also we're also different because you're the eldest right you're the eldest son yeah yeah i could teach my brother like if if there's things that my i notice my parents are are not teaching like they're just they maybe they they don't even know like they're oblivious to it I just jump in. I'm like, hey, you know, I I wish they taught me this, but here I'll teach you right now, right? Um, yeah. So that that's my number one was the education, the overemphasis on education. There are other paths to uh, success, and mm-hmm. uh, I think our generation was we were fed uh, this idea that we need to go to college, we need to get a degree to be successful, but that's not true. Um, mm. but yeah, going to my, well, my point number two. Okay, go ahead. No, just, um, to measure a success, it's very mm. easy to point out a degree and say that's success right there. You know, yeah. trying to define success yeah. in any other way where in America, everyone's terms of success is self-identified. So it's impossible to try to predict what your child might want for themselves as defined as success. Mm-hmm. And so they, I, I can understand why they point to you know university degrees as that's the, that's the the goal point. That's what you want to reach. <laughs> yeah. Um. And there's there's no time to compromise between that. There's very little time to try to negotiate to try to, um, to f- flesh out uh, what our terms of success are growing up in high school. Because for many of us, we don't know. <laughs> we have exactly. no idea exactly uh, like for me so i can't <laughs> yeah i, I can't I, I can't say i can't say putting the goalpost on college as a faulty point because it does actually help for many people expand the worldview you know mm. it, it's it's each your own experience so it's not yeah. terrible it, but like you said it is bad when they de- deem it as completely necessary without being able to talk to us and trying to understand how we redefine success for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But like for anyways, me, yeah. I, I always say the the example, like you say my older cousin's a failure, but he he started his own business. Uh he has like multiple branches of that business and he's buying lots of property, investing, he can have his first child now, he's married. And I'm telling them, you're saying that he's a failure and you're saying I'm successful, but here I am with crippling student debt from going getting my master's degree and getting a bachelor's degree and for the Mm. four months of unemployment after i graduated i couldn't find a job you're saying that's success (laughs) (laughs) compared to that failure of the cousin right (laughs) sure sure whatever you want to believe (laughs) okay like me and my cousin we get along really well but he he's sick of um of the adults always saying he's a failure and comparing him to me. And I tell him, Hey man, I am not comparing myself to you. If we were to compare, I'd say you're the successful one. So we're on really, really good terms. It's just the parents that are very traditional, right? It's the way they think. 
and we don't blame them for no, that. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys have come to uh, resolve that within yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You said you said you wanted to touch on the the other point, uh, your career choice or your. Yeah. Your yeah. Major? So we can go into what I wanted to study in college, right? Um, mm-hmm. It is not common, right? I wanted to major in Chinese and linguistics. Mm. What is that? What does that mean? Like, what hearing that as a parent as a refugee like our parents that's equivalent to i want to kill myself there's no (laughs) we're in silicon valley Uh you can get into any stem like major and get a good job after that makes a lot of money but here you are learning about chinese language and culture and learning the the structure of language what the hell are you gonna do with that major to them, it doesn't make sense. Like we, we sacrificed everything in Vietnam, everything to bring you here. We almost died multiple times just so you can study Chinese and linguistics. And you want to go back to Asia. You want to go back to We sacrificed everything to come to America and you want to leave. You want to go back to Asia. So for them, it was the worst thing to hear. And we got into a huge, huge fight. Um, and it resulted me in moving out uh, to San Francisco. I went to SF State. Uh, I worked three jobs, almost four at one point, just to pay for my rent, pay for myself in an expensive city, San Francisco. And I was taking, I'm going to say like the limit, right? I'm taking like six classes in my undergrad. Uh, And I worked super hard and I got, you know, just to prove to my family, hey, like this is not the common major to study, but this is my passion. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to just wait, right? Uh, I worked super hard and at the end it paid off because I got into a scholarship program. I, I studied in Nanjing University. I studied in National Taiwan University, the number one uh, school in Taiwan. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was free. And they gave me monthly stipends. They gave me rent money and I, I didn't have to pay a cent. Right. And I got certificates. I got my language, Chinese language got way better. I got all these skills in, in translation and, and teaching Chinese. I'd say for that, I am successful. I proved my point. Uh, and even today, my family is still like like ashamed to tell their relatives, my son studied Chinese and linguistics. When I prove to them, hey, it works. It's not it's not meta. It's not it's not the common thing to do, but it works. And and for me, I'm going to study what I want to study. I'm not going to study what you want me to study. That That is the American in me. That's when I become less Asian. do you think that for people like us where we're first generation here in america that if we want to forge our own path we really do have to take the risk of just uh having our entire family resent us and have the conviction that we're gonna do what we're gonna do because that's what we believe in and be okay with that because what you did uh, to try mm. to forge your own path is not a, a, a step that a lot of people can take. It's, it's in fact, I, w- I would say, as from my understanding of uh, Chinese uh, Chinese culture, but your, your culture is Vietnamese, but still, um, <laughs> what you did was betrayal of the family. Is that uh, correct in, in saying Yes, that? to them it was betrayal of the family. It's not listening to what they want. Um, and it's them, I think they think that I owe it to them their sacrifices to listen to them 
Whereas, like, no, I'm you put me in the United States. I got uh, an American education, and I have the mm-hmm. American dream. If I work hard enough for what I want, I can achieve it. Right? That's so, the American dream. That 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 that's 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 where our our diaspora selves kick in. You know, where yes. we're although we want to honor our ethnic cultures, we want to be a part of it. We want to embody it. We have to let go of some of it. We really do. Yes. Because it just doesn't mesh with the lifestyle we want. It doesn't mesh with the culture that we're experiencing living here in America. Yes. Uh, and if I, if I don't know, it, do you ever feel that it's a bit outdated? A lot of things they, that they, they say and do that, that it was something acceptable to say and behave at the time period of which they came from before mm. any wars or before any genocides that occurred to kick them out and they kind of held on to that living here in America. And yeah. with the way the times have changed, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, all the time. They say mm. the most racist shit ever and <laughs> I don't even think I don't even think they're trying to be offensive. They're just racist as hell, but they just <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Okay, when- <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's dial that back a second. When we say racist, uh what what were we talking about specifically, you know? Uh I think my understanding of it is that we we within our own our own uh, cultures have a uh-huh. racial hierarchy. We have like yes. the epitome of all that is superior. That is usually you know our own ethnic backgrounds, like China number one. China, our Chinese blood is superior. Specifically, the Cantonese blood in me is like a better fighter than the other Diju blood in me. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm the oh. shit. You know, and it's it's funny because people in China actually like they don't they think that their province their 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 people are the best, right? So Cantonese think they're the best. The Shanghai people think they're the best. Beijing people oh, think God. they're the best. And it's like well, it's I mean, no longer China is number one. It's I my people. This well, yeah, city, that, that, this that, street that, is number one. It's ethnic pride. It's 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 nationality kind of, but. It's, it's the same way I, I would compare it to like Californians be uh, uh, proud of being from California, you know, or people from yeah. New York or their own states, you know, these own regions. Of course, we're proud of our region. That's that's where we lived in. And that's that's, yeah. you know, that's our culture. Um, but then the problem comes in when you have a superiority complex over that sense. Like I'm more I'm better than you because I'm from where I am. Exactly. And, and if you want to make that example, people from the Bay Area think they're way better than people in Sacramento. Right, uh, people in 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 SoCal are like, we got better food, we got uh, better weather, oh, our culture we're is all, all entertainment. We're all from California, man. Chill out. <laughs> it's like you know, we're all in the United States in general. Like we're just humans in this world. Why are you looking uh, down on? We're literally two hours away from you. Like what the hell? <laughs> and then and then because Asian Americans kind of usually uh, uh, go to big cities to live. We have like East Coast Asians and West Coast Asians. Asians from New York, yeah, Florida, and 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 Asians from California, and so Washington, different. Seattle. Just yo, like, Midwest Asians. Midwest are like the most <laughs> different Asians I've ever met in my life. So when I was on this Seriously? Chinese program in China, I had like mm-hmm. classmates from all over the United States. Everyone was different, and the only people I could vibe really well with was people from Hawaii. Uh, people from New York City. <laughs> that's it. And then the Midwest Wait, Asians were well like, with, "Damn, you Wait, can what? vibe well with the East Coast Asians." Yeah, East Coast Asians. I can vibe with them. 
right? I understand uh-huh. their background. They're more Hokkien, right? Fukinese on that side. Okay. I can speak that dialect. It's fine. Right. But, you know, like, those Midwest Asians, like, they're the type of Asians that are different, the most different because they don't have an Asian bubble that we have. They don't have the Chinatowns. They had, okay. they were the actual minority in a sea of white people, black people, right? Sure, sure. So they, they had like... no pressure, no pressure yeah. in learning uh, their Asian culture, no pressure in, in um, you know, like speaking to other Asian people in that same language that, that we have, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're basically very American, whitewashed if you if that's offensive i'm sorry they're whitewashed (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) and there's there's nothing wrong with that it's just you know you can it's just your upbringing you know like everyone around you was white it's fine but it's different that's all i gotta say it's different yeah god damn the problem for me uh okay so that racism isn't just, you know, them watching the news and saying, oh, the horrible crime was done by, of course it was done by black people or, or, or Latino people, or of course these, these white people are greedy and doing all that stuff. Uh, it's not just about falling into stereotypes. It's, it, it does affect us personally in our decisions in life. For instance, I was told, like, you cannot marry any race that falls below this hierarchy level. You know, oh my God. Our, our minimum threshold no, just like Japanese, because we know you like the anime shit, you know? We know Dude, you're, 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 that you're is the one. Weeaboo. <laughs> they massacred our people. Did you remember World War Two? Yeah. They always say Raven that Nanking? shit. Nanking? Any of that? You, what? <laughs> Are you even from Nanjing? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, it, it, it's, it's like, I was like, oh, oh okay. okay. But that's obviously they can say that because they're not from China. They're from Cambodia. It's totally different. Yeah. They're okay uh, but then, yeah, there's that, that threshold, like, 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 like Chinese. Okay, Taiwanese. Okay, same thing, anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, another know. episode. Another episode. Okay. <laughs> another episode. No, yeah, yeah, but like, it influenced like, like life, life partner decisions. It influenced uh, friendships that you can make. I bring back and I show. Hey, I have, the, I have this new friend that's Filipino. His name is Bradley, by the way. Back in in kindergarten, I had my first friend, best friend, Filipino. His name is Bradley, Filipino. My mom and dad's like, you can't go to his birthday. No, uh, we're not gonna let you foster this relationship at all. We're gonna do our best to sever that early. We gotta just. Mm. <laughs> so, that's that's the problem, you know. And it wasn't only until I was older that I realized, holy shit, the racist as fuck. Oh no, <laughs> racist in our uh, in our standards, right? Not racist yeah, in but their to standards. Them it's, it's like to them it's like like dirty asian now oh, god <laughs> just like just, just like, like my what? in-laws man my in-laws probably think the same exact way <sighs> these cultural trappings it's, it's it's these cultural trappings that we constantly have to escape from that we that we, we're kind of determined you and i in the future to like hey 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 it's okay to not be a part of that old world respect it yeah respect it yeah but you don't have to hold those values <laughs> yeah you don't have to <laughs> Yeah, that's I. It does. It does also affect a lot of other things. Politics. Goddamn politics. Oh my god, are we coming there? We're gonna go there. Are are, are we touching that? We can go there. We can go there if you want. We can go there. Vietnamese Americans more than any other Asian Americans vote for uh, Republican, specifically for Donald Trump for president, more so than anyone uh, any other ethnic Asian minority. Yes. 
Yes, and it's the same story across most Vietnamese families where the children, um, they are young, right? The the young children are usually I'm gonna just assume that they're they're voting Democrat, they're Democratic, whereas the parents are like 100% Trump, 200% Trump, and um, I personally I have no issue if you have a good reason in in voting for who you want. It's your right as a human, as an American, to do that. I'm not here to change your mind. But when I ask, why are you voting for Trump? And I get a, a, a pretty bullshit answer. That's when I'm like, oh, God. This is why we don't have one person, one vote. Right? Um, mm. So I, I'm going to list some reasons why most Vietnamese parents are voting for Donald Trump. And uh, the number one thing is probably anti-Chinese. Okay, so in his presidency, in his two years, uh, not two years, in his four years uh, as president, he has waged a couple of crazy attacks on China, right? Especially with sure. economics, with trading. Trade uh, so it's Trade easy war, to yeah. say that he's almost anti-Chinese. And for Vietnamese, that's like, that's a winner. Yes, anti-Chinese. We don't like China, right? <laughs> Vietnam doesn't like China because of history of China taking over Vietnam and, and bullying the little country we're, there, we're, right? We're like, we're like cats and dogs. We, we just don't get along. Chinese yeah, Vietnamese, China, Chinese Vietnamese never get along, get along right? And, and it's, that's, that's the main reason. The, the second reason, right, these Vietnamese people escaped the war. They escaped communism because communism mm-hmm. was what killed their people. Um, yes. And it's not the idea, it's the, the corruption uh, using the idea as a mask. So when they hear that word communism or socialism, and they, they, think, about, they think about Democrats, they listen to uh, pro-Republican news where, oh, mm-hmm. if, if you vote Democrat, they're going to create a, a communist country within the U.S., right? So that, they're scared. They're terrified yeah. of the word communism and socialism. And I do not blame them for that, but you got to really research both sides, right? You cannot just listen to one side. Like, what, what is it that the Democrats really want, right? Is it, is it the same as what the, the Communist Party wanted in 1975 for Vietnam? No, it's, it's, it's totally different. It's a different circumstance. Um, okay, the next one is less tax. They, they, they believe that if they vote Republican, they will pay less. Okay, we're Asian, we're cheap, whatever. Uh, okay. And another thing is being patriotic, right? Their idea, like they don't understand why the United States have to help so many other countries before they help themselves. That's what they're thinking. Why is it that there are people starving in the United States? There's so many poor people without jobs and we're here fighting wars in third world countries. Why can't we fight the war on, on, uh, poverty? Why can't we help our own people first before we even step outside of our door? Right. Um, And then the last uh, it's it's actually pretty uh, ironic that they might think that way, because if the United States didn't jump in the Vietnam War, they would have might have all been dead. Right. Because they were on the other side. So there's a there's a really common thing I'm seeing among uh, people who are refugees. It's like it's okay that we're refugees, but the the buck stops there. No one else should be. No one else can us. be refugees. No one else. It's okay that they helped us, but we don't want to help the next generation of refugees. Uh, Christmas. Right? It's pretty fucked up when my family says stuff like, "Why are we bringing in so many uh, Middle Eastern like refugees from the war?" Right, they could be the, 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 they could be terrorists. These Mexicans, these these, these South these Mexican people coming up, they're, yeah. they're not real refugees. They're like us. 
No. They're, they're not they're gonna they might be terrorists right or they might be uh like criminals like part of the cartel if they're from mexico or from south america like what the hell like it, when you came to the united states were people saying stuff like oh what if they're communists what if they're actually spies <laughs> for the communist vietnam right we didn't get as uh. much as that for our generation so why are you doing that to the next generation of refugees right and then they're they're pro they're pro bring our soldiers home from 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 the Middle East and yeah, yeah. that doesn't again ironic the reason why the Vietnam lost the Civil War the South lost was because the U S pulled out and here you are saying let's pull out again for another country <laughs> ironic <sighs> so so we, 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 you've made a lot you've made a lot of points um I'm okay I'm going to do the devil's advocate maybe I'm going to try to break down and and give the reasoning if there is any. As to why uh-huh. it is this way, as far as I understand it, um, although let's mm-hmm. make it clear, I I I I did not vote for Trump in the election. I I, I do not like him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I can understand why people voted for him. So the first the first couple of points you made, the anti Chinese, uh, the mm. anti socialism communism, it makes total sense. Like you explained it, of course, they ran away from. Call, uh, communism and they have that that ptsd that that fear factor here still in them you know that yeah. any sort of government overreach will inevitably result in communism where they will regulate and control everything and, and that just scares the shit yeah. of any refugee that ran away from something like that yes, okay yes so anything that points in the opposite direction of, of of just minimalizing government they'll just go hop on hop on that train because yeah. when they want when they plant roots here they want to make sure that never happened again exactly they were promised a free you know like not communist country when they came here that's right that's right that said um that's also due to a lot of you know how people politicize uh social welfare or social programs or anything that seems to be appear to um have any government uh giving or controlling things you know, what one person's uh, environmental regulations to help stem, you know, uh, global warming is another one trying to control industry to halt the progression and to privatize government control over yeah things. Yeah. So those are yeah. two sides of the same coin and people are just spinning it. It's politics. It's just politics. Uh, less tax, yeah. more tax. That kind of explains itself. Uh, although technically speaking, Republicans since who made the promise i think it was bush senior uh, made that made and failed on that promise i'm like i will not raise a tax but ended up having to because our country's big man our country's freaking huge and we have so many hands so many pies we're fighting we need a tax yeah in in a way we do we do i can't say it's the most efficient thing in the world because it's not but in in our struggle to try to justify doing all the good things and and trying and trying to recover from our screw ups, inevitably we just seem to just have to keep raising taxes. Yeah. And that and also you know inflation. So you know. <laughs> of course. All that it makes raising taxes inevitable. Yeah. Unless the 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 Republican logic is when when you if you cut down the size of government, you don't have to raise tax accordingly because government is the one who needs tax. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can get to that another day. Um, Patriotism, you know, which which modern, as far as I understand it, people mix up with nationalism a lot. Mm. 
America does America have a responsibility as a world superpower to lead as a demonstration uh, by demonstration what a free country should be that is uh, a question that we constantly ask ourselves in our involvements in foreign affairs all the time yeah. uh, we definitely do a lot and we definitely screwed up everywhere <laughs> yeah it, it really depends what are we trying to get out of it right? mm-hmm and it's we're, not, we're it's, definitely trying to get things out of it. It's not. It's not like we want to help these poor people. It's more like, hey, if I help these poor people, what can I, what can benefit me out of it, right? So the Middle we, East we, was we, probably oil. <laughs> yeah, we, like America only stepped into the Vietnam War on the pretense that we had to, we they had to stop you know the spread of communism. Exactly, and we ruined everything. <laughs> against the fight against <laughs> communism, we ruined everything. Like we almost fucked up Korea, the uh, Vietnam, even the Middle East, like. You know, ISIS, the Taliban, all those extremists, they were mm-hmm. they were trained by the United States because they were the ones that are fighting against Russia to keep communism out of Afghanistan and in the Middle East, right? And mm. look look the look what happened now. Now they're killing us, right? So I, I know, say this, this is a, it's it's really a big consequence of Western superiority, of of, of, of us flexing our influence over the world and this uh-huh. is just our comeuppance. This is us paying paying for the the things that we thought were you know of course we can do this no 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 no. there, there are heavy no, consequences no. to be had heavy. that have had no. bring our soldiers yeah, this home. has nothing to do with with our our topic sir <laughs> well i mean i mean i'm just i'm just i'm just trying to argue for you know the sake of why it is that that we think this oh, way and yeah, it makes complete yeah. sense by the way like like yeah, our, our country is is hurting, starving. People are dying. Um, they may not necessarily agree with certain civil unrest that we have right now on whichever what side, but they see the unrest and they say that that we should get our shit together first before addressing other people. That because exactly. that's how you deal with your own household. You get your shit together first before you try to influence other people. Exactly. Stuff. You ever have an aunt tell you, "Hey, you should do this," but their children ain't doing the same shit. You should go to. <laughs> You should go to Chinese school. Their their fucking kid is like dropped out of Chinese school like years ago. Can't even speak a lick of Chinese. Like, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's probably what our parents were thinking too. Like, yeah, why are we well, why are we doing all this? You know, we're paying so many taxes. Like, what? Can we help? Can we fix our problems first? You know, it's the is it fallacy? No, it's it's the conceit that um, as if comparison, uh, doing your own taxes is the same as. Is as easy, it should be as simple as also doing the country's uh, budgeting. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not you, you. can't you can't blow out the scale. Like you you may think the principles are effective in a small scale, but as well as it should be on a larger scale, but it isn't. And that's yeah. just the consequence of a voter because voters, most voters, most people uh-huh. don't have a full understanding of how government works and how politics and, exactly. and economics work. So they can only go by what they know. Or what they and like, not to me- <laughs> like <laughs> not that that too. But also remember, most of them, most of the people we're talking about, our elders, the the people who are refugees, they don't have an, a proper education. They don't have an mm. college education in America, and they mm-hmm. also, you know, they're they're they can they only know as much as they've struggled to learn to make ends meet here in America. Yeah. So of I course agree. they. they 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 were never interested in, and they were never properly exposed to other ideas that we did. Hey, this is the value of college, by the way, being exposed to other ideas. 
exactly and and yeah. trying to think on your own like that independent thinking like okay this is what the news says but what do i take from it what do, what is my own ideas right am i just gonna follow mm. what the news says or am i gonna make mm. my own like observation and conclusion out of it that critical thinking is is something that's not you have to really learn it you know what i mean it's not something that's just supernatural for for I mean, that's just natural for everyone. So I don't blame them. But no. there are so many arguments within the family. And not just my family. If you go on subtle Viet traits on Facebook, everyone is talking about how their family is always arguing with their parents. Like Trump versus Biden, right? Why are they supporting Biden? Or why are they supporting Trump? It's it's pretty sad that they can actually separate and and actually... Yeah, just just break down families. I, it's important, <sighs> and this is how this is how I, I I've come to resolve it for myself. It's it's important that you understand why they believe this, and completely understand why they mm. think like this, and why they they mm. do it. It's it's inevitable. You have to understand that. Yeah. You know you 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 were born at before you were born after you could change their minds. Of course, you're not gonna be able to do that. Uh, just just because you 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 were sent to higher education doesn't mean you know better. We, they know better more from experience, and that's how they understand it. And that's how they made most decisions yes. in their life. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's it's just up to us to just accept them for who they are, you know. And and just you know carry on regardless. Exactly. But it doesn't change and it's that their American right. Yeah, it it doesn't change the fact that they raised us. It doesn't change the fact that 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 they love us and we love them. You know the difference. Our differences exactly. of opinion must not uh, break apart any sort of familial ties that we hold strongly to. Exactly. No. Even if you had a best friend that that had the opposite political stance as you, are you really gonna end that friendship just because they think differently? Like that is the right mm-hmm. of an American. You can think what you want to think. You can believe That's in right. what you want to believe in, right? And if you don't listen to me, even though I've laid out like good points of why you shouldn't think that way then it's your right to believe what you believe in and thank you Mm. for for hearing me out you know Mm. um and i'm hearing you out right so let's make sure that we understand what we both think right so that Mm -hmm. it's not one-sided we cannot just think oh people who vote for trump are are people who are just stupid or they're racist right maybe it's not maybe maybe they believe in what his policies like like his promises and all that maybe they think that their life became a lot better because he became president or they really agree with their with all the policies uh, i don't know that's just another another episode that we should probably do <laughs> there are there are lines that that can be crossed you know uh, acts of violence or or attacks on others yeah but such extremism is only present when and when empathy is not you know, so it's it's our job to instill as much empathy and understanding as possible. Exactly. We tolerate it, and we understand it, and we convey it to the best of our ability. And if we fail, then we fail. But we won't yeah. fail when it comes to the people that come after us. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about legacy. Yeah. 